0: Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. We're in our fall series called Live Well. As we look at biblical principles together, this series will help equip you to live well through the challenges we all face in life. Well, I'm excited to welcome you back to the series that we've been in the last few weeks together. If you're new or just joining us, we have been talking about our lives. We've been talking about how to bring Jesus, how to bring the message of the Bible, the message of the gospel, the principles of scripture into our everyday, if you will. I know for a lot of us, we get compartmentalized and we think that Jesus lives at the church building, but the truth is Jesus wants to go with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all week long into your everyday. And Jesus actually told us in John ten ten, he said, I came that you might have life and you might have it to the full. So that doesn't mean that we never have a challenge or a tribulation. Jesus actually covered that on several occasions, but he's saying in the midst of ordinary everyday and yes, sometimes challenging life, I have a version of you, I have a version of life available if you're willing to receive it from me that I wanna give you. So that's what this series has been all about, multiple different areas of our lives. Sometimes for many people, I've been hearing from some of you, you're surprised to find out that Jesus actually understands these areas of our lives. And I believe this week may be an area that you haven't heard a lot of teaching on. It may be an area that you're struggling in. And I've been really, really fired up and excited to share this with you. Actually, as I was praying this summer, this area this weekend is one of the places I was very passionate about talking to you about. And we're gonna talk about how to live well in your work life. How to live well where we spend so much of our time. I realize some of you maybe have gone through a job transition or maybe some of you are going to a place of retirement, others of you looking for a new job. You may be a stay at home mom or you may be, I don't know, we all have different stations The principles of what I'm gonna talk about apply to all of us though today, okay? I'm gonna ask if you have your Bibles. Turn with me to the book of Luke right in the heart of the Gospels where Jesus gives us a key, what's called a parable or a story that has spiritual meaning to it and it has some of the central figures and key places that Jesus used on a consistent basis. Luke 19, 12, we're gonna look at it in a minute. I want to celebrate something with you. Always love to celebrate what's happening through our church family. We had just recently our fairy tale ball. And I always want to encourage you with these things because these things are happening all the time uh, throughout our community, and it happens because of your generosity. This is an event that we put on for children that have life-threatening illnesses, and their parents are able to bring them, we make them the stars of the show, bless them. It's amazing. Um, As someone who has a child with some medical things, um, I have great compassion for parents that walk through challenges with children. There's no pain like kid pain. And so I love the fact that you're a church that gives so that we have resources to be able to do things like this. Thank you to all of you that served at this. Uh, The parents always say, I can't believe this is a place and this happens. And then everybody that serves at it says, can you please sign me up for next year? And so we actually fill up all the servant spots. What a beautiful picture of the church and the kingdom of God, where we come together to make a difference in the lives of people. Can we give God a round of applause for these kind of things happening? Thank you for being that church. We're gonna talk about work today, talk about work life. Some of you are like, wait a minute, Are you qualified to talk about work? Aren't you a preacher? I know you thought that. Um, Yeah, we we just talk and play golf. That's what we do as pastors. We don't really have a real job, uh, and uh, that's not the truth. But just in case you're wondering, I had some real jobs. I, I grew up in a house where my dad Uh, believe that uh, we should learn how to work. And so I had jobs growing up, summertime jobs, uh, worked as an exterminator, worked at a plumbing and AC supply house for two summers. I spent two summers in my uncle's hayfield. And uh, some of you are like, "You you don't know what kind of work that is. I'm talking square bales. I'm talking about hot. I'm talking about rash on your arms. I'm talking about in the heat in the sun, hauled some hay bales around. Then I moved up to driving the tractor. I never quite made it to the tractor with the air conditioner in it. My uncle drove that one. And I spent two summers in the hay field and I said, I'm going to college. Come on now, y'all know. You say, man, my kid's just not into college. Put them on a roof or in an attic or in the hay field. They'll be real into it, come on. And so I had some real jobs along the way, some, some things that I learned, some of the principles of having a boss and working hard and sweating a little bit. But really, my first job was given to me by my dad, uh, one of the first ones I remember. And uh, he was leaving the house, and uh, I was out of school for some reason. I was about 12 years old, and uh, my dad, it was getting that time of the year where you need to get the leaves raked off of one of his prized possessions He had in East Texas there, we lived out in the country, big yard, and he had that St. Augustine grass. Come on. How many of y'all like to walk barefoot through St. Augustine grass, you know, just thick and all there. He'd been fertilizing it, been getting it to grow. It was all beautiful. And he wanted to get those leaves off of his St. Augustine grass. Driving that old 1970 Ford pickup, you know, he didn't have the automatic window. There I was 12 years old, he, come on y'all, anybody, any, anybody remember that? He rolled that window down, three on the tree, come on somebody. He looked at me, he said, boy, when I get home, these leaves better be raked. I said, wow, I got a job. I wanted to go to HR to find out about what kind of benefit package it had. Um, and he said, the benefits are you get to eat here tonight and you get to sleep in your bed. I thought, wow, man, I got a job. So my dad left, I went and got a rake, no gloves. Got out there, started raking all the leaves from around the house. Got a kind of, thank goodness, I got them away from the house. Man, I raked a little while and I just had this, just this thought, you know, I mean, I just thought, why rake them when you can burn them? So I went in the house and got a match. Started setting fires all around the house burned up all of my dad's grass and all of those leaves. I don't know how I didn't catch the world on fire, but I burned the whole place down. My dad pulled in at the end of the day. It looked like a nuclear bomb went off at his house. And I'm gonna tell you, I had my first performance review. (laughs) And I got all negatives. I was on a performance improvement plan. Come on, somebody. His view of the job and my view of the job, there was a big gap. Are you with me? You know, sometimes I think even though I was 12 years old and didn't understand how life really works, I think a lot of people enter into their work life and there's some things about how God says it works, that there's a big gap between how we do it every day and God's perspective. In fact, I started studying on this idea and looking at some research, and I'll be honest with you, part of my motivation for preaching on this was what I began to discover. The Gallup poll has done some of the most intensive kind of research in the work life area. And they say, and I I really tested this statistic, 85% of people are dissatisfied with what they do every day. 85% of people, actually the statistic could be higher than 85%. And so there's a lot of reasons for that. But so many people, again, this is where we spend the majority of our time. This is where we spend the majority of our energy. This is the people that we're with sometimes more than our families. And we find ourselves dissatisfied in this area of life. And the truth is with the stat that high, many of us are experiencing it right now. And some of us may experience it or at least have. The number one reason people leave their jobs though is they don't feel appreciated. I I, I saw a statistic where There's a big majority of people would rather have their boss removed than get a raise. They'd rather get a new boss than a raise. By the way, that's a big responsibility to every person here who has any responsibility over people, the responsibility you have to steward people God's way. Number one reason people leave is because of the person managing them and the toxic culture and the atmosphere of it. 65% of employees receive no recognition in the workplace in the last year. So we could go on and on with the stats and the statistics, but here's the thought. If Jesus wants us to have life and life more abundantly, to live well, we have to live well at work. To live well, we have to live well in this area of our life. You're like, does the Bible say anything about it? We're gonna hit a few verses, but from a perspective on work and a perspective change that we all need, Luke chapter 19, verse 12, I think is such a fundamental and foundational place to go. Now, I want to help you just as you're reading the Bible, it's always good to read the Bible in what's called context, what's happening in the situation. Why is the person speaking? Obviously, with all of these words inspired by the Holy Spirit, but there were original listeners and there's original history, and so you try to look at what's going on here. Now, when you come down to Luke 19, 12, not always the case is the previous situation always in the timeline connected to it, but it happens to be here. We say, why do you say that? Well, we have these gospels and there's different events and different timelines, but right here, these are connected. You say, why is that important? Because in Luke, at the start of Luke 19, Jesus has an encounter with this guy Zacchaeus, He's a tax collector and would have been viewed at that time as a person who was dishonest with people. He would be the person that everyone would think, look, Jesus shouldn't talk to him. And so he's, he's getting resources by dishonest gain. And Jesus shows up, he climbs a tree. I remember in Sunday school, you know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Climbed up in a sycamore tree, Lord, do you want to see? Come on. Any Sunday school people out there? Okay, all right, I'm sorry. We, whatever climbed up in the tree. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm coming to your house today. And in the middle of his interaction with Jesus, he has a change in his heart. He repents and he says, if I've cheated people, I'm gonna make it right. That's how much he changed. He didn't just change by lip service. He changed so much that I'm gonna take the very fabric of what I do and how I do it and my integrity and I'm gonna change it. And so he says, I'm gonna give back everything. And he says, if I've cheated people, then Jesus says, one of Jesus' defining statements, this is all important. You're like, I thought you were talking about our work life. We're gonna get there. Jesus says, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. And then it says, as they watched this happen, as they were listening to this, Jesus tells the next story to explain to them something that they have a challenge with in their thinking because the Bible says they thought that God was just sort of gonna swoop out and change all of their circumstances. Again, these people are oppressed. They're under terrible government situations. They're being cheated by people like Zacchaeus and they thought God was just gonna swoop down, fix everything, boom, all right, it's done. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. Let me tell you, how we usher in the kingdom. The kingdom, you're like what? God's rule and reign in the earth. God's way of doing things. Jesus' prayer on earth, let it be done. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, that the, in the earth we can see the demonstration of God's power. You're like, I thought you were talking about my job. He's like, are you talking about the lost? Are you talking about cheating people? Are you talking about you know, work? Are you talking about the church? Are you talking about the kingdom? Yes. It's all interconnected. And the more you're able to connect it, the better you're able to see it from God's vantage point. This is Jesus right here in the middle of it. While they're listening, he goes, let me talk to you about the kingdom. And then he says, you know what? I'm gonna use you to usher in the kingdom. Let me tell you a story, which Jesus would do a lot. He said, a man of noble birth, went to a distant country to have himself appointed king. And Jesus would use this narrative many times and he's talking about himself. Said he would go to a distant country, have himself appointed king, And then return. Jesus is going to return. And so he says, I'm gonna return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. 10 minas is a lot. It's like, Whatever you're going to make this year in 2019, take 2019, 2020, and 2021, three years of income, that's a significant amount of money, so he took three years of income here when he's talking about 10 minus. He said, put this money to work, he said, put it to work until I come back. So what is he saying? And I look at a few other versions of it. Do business with this until I come back engage in business until I come, invest this for me while I'm gone. So Jesus is talking about how we use the gifts, the resources, the talents that we've been given on a day-to-day basis to invest them for the advancement of the kingdom of God with what he's given us. He says this, invest it till I come. But his subjects hated him, sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be our king. But he was made king, however. Whether you like him being king or not, he's king, come on now. He was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your minus has earned 10 more. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant, my good servant. His master replied, because you've been trust, trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. He says, look, you've done good. Here's, here's 10 cities. The second came and said, sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered and said, you take charge of five cities. And then another servant came and said, sir, here is your mina." By the way, a lot of times we think, man, that guy probably handled it that way because he had one mina. Actually, one mina, if you really think about it practically, he had the greatest potential for percentage increase. He also had less overhead if you think about it. You're like, well, I just got a little bit. Well, you got the greatest potential if you got a little bit. He he, He didn't see it the right way, so he says, I've kept it laid away in a piece of cloth, and I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. Can I encourage you with something? How you go into your work life and handle your gifts, talents, and resources is directly connected to how you see your God. How you see your God. If you think, man, he's he's trying to cheat me, he's trying to hold out on me, he's a hard man, He's, he's this, so it's not true, but that's how he saw. Jesus said, you take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. By the way, if you really read the story, he's done nothing but give, be benevolent offer opportunity. His master replied, I'll judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you? He's not confessing to the fact he is this. He's saying, if that is the case, really. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? He says, well, if that's the case, then why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest at least? Then he said to those standing by. Take his mina, I want you to read this out of the B-I-B-L-E. Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has 10 minas. He is a just God, but in our world today, we're like, wait a minute, everybody should keep getting, everybody should be promoted, everybody should get a raise. Everybody, no, no, that's not the Bible. Take from the one who's not investing their talent, who's not working hard, who has a bad attitude, and give it to the ones who do have a good attitude. I'm sorry I'm preaching today. Sir, they replied, he already has 10. Replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. We could talk about so many aspects of Jesus' story, but I do believe as it pertains to our work lives where we invest our minds on a day-to-day basis, we might start thinking about it this way. We don't need a new job, we need a new attitude. I'm gonna say it again. We don't necessarily need a new job. God may have a new job for you. He may have a new skill for you, a new step for you but we don't need a new job. We need a new attitude about our job. And you're like, what's the key thing Jesus is saying to us? And that is that there's so much we can't control, so much that is kind of out of our hands. If you've got a bad boss, a bad culture, a bad market, there can be a lot out of your hands, but there's a lot in our hands. So what's in your hands, stewardship simply means this. Stewardship simply means What are you doing with what you've been given? What are you doing with what you do have control of, what you do have the ability to invest? And it's a theme throughout the Bible. By the way, it's something within even the culture of our church. The early days of Milestone, I'll never forget, we moved here. We didn't know anybody. We had a team of people. And so the people on our team They were getting jobs and going different places. We were in South Keller and early days, we would have team meetings and I would say, look, you know, we don't have a building for people to come to. We don't have, in fact, we don't even know if this city's gonna receive us. So, so, So the fact is, if we're counting on just people showing up on the weekend to hear about something or me preach or wow them with some kind of light show, we're in trouble. So here's what we're gonna do. We're not just gonna worship God on Sunday, though we need to come together on Sunday. We're gonna go out as ambassadors into this community and we're going to make a difference every single day. And when we make a difference every single day, then what'll happen is those people will say, I want what you have. So we didn't wanna build a church that was just a church. I didn't wanna have a church that I didn't wanna go to. I didn't want, I wanted to make a difference, make a mark in the community. And you know what? In the early days we would talk about this and some of our team members started working at Chili's, okay, they were just, they were, they're working at Chili's and I'll, and I'll never forget, they started going there and they were influencing and making a difference and I walked into Chili's one day and the manager came up to me and said, are you Pastor Jeff, Milestone Church? You know, started asking me about it and I was like, uh, who's asking? You know, it's kind of like when you show up at your school and they say, are, are, are you so-and-so's dad? You're like, if they did something good, yes. But if they did something bad, there's their mother. You know what I'm saying? It's her kids. Are y'all with me? But actually, I, I, we sat down, he wanted to buy my lunch and he said, you know what? Those people that attend that church, they're some of the best employees I've ever had. He said, in fact, if any of them need a job, just go ahead and tell them, I'll probably hire them sight unseen. I'm like, well, they're not all that good. Are you with me? <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you all across this community, what we need to realize is that, that we're first of all identified as a Christ follower. Maybe, maybe that would be the greatest qualification on a resume that I'm a follower of Jesus. But then also we're representative of Jesus together and how, and I can tell you there's multiple businesses throughout the milestone environment Full of milestone people that are employees. It's a seed. Seeds reproduce after its own kind. I I, I had this statement early on in our church. What if the what, maybe we wouldn't need Zip Recruiter? What if we just rolled up to the church and said, "Man, some of those followers of Jesus, we got a job ready for them." Because I don't know any company that's not in need of good people. And the greatest incubator for leadership and development and training and handling your resources God's way should be Jesus's church. You're like, I thought we were talking about my job. You're talking about the church. You're talking about the kingdom. Yes, it's all the same thing. So five ways that Jesus changes our view of work. Let's look at it. Number one, and I'm gonna say this for some of you, you're gonna get it, but all of us need this reinforced work is worship. In fact, they come from the same Hebrew root word Worship, and so we get compartmentalized in our lives to think worship is when we sing songs on Sunday. Worship is when we go on a mission trip. Worship is when we do this. No, work is worship to our God. So every single day when you wake up and you're like, when I go into this environment, I'm worshiping God with how I treat my employees. I'm worshiping God with how I handle God's resources. Colossians 3.23 says this, whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Let me tell you why the enemy wants to get this segmented in your mind. Get it segmented in your heart. One, because when we bring God into that environment, God's a game changer. When we bring, in fact, I, wanna, I want you to, I've seen this go off in the minds of people, years of discipling people and working with people and doing small groups, working with business leaders, years of doing small groups, not just as a preacher, but a developer of people. I see the light bulb go on when they realize, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit can come with me to work. Man, man just think about the problem you're trying to solve at work right now. Man, okay, wait, we got this goal, but we don't have the staff. And where am I gonna find good people to staff that problem? Where do I find the capital to get that thing done? Where do I, how do I solve this? How do I solve this problem? And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll hire a consultant. I work with a lot of young leaders too. Every young leader coming out of college wants to be a consultant. I'm like, you haven't done anything. What do you mean you're gonna be a consultant? I just want one of those consulting jobs, powerful. Okay, so you hire a consultant. You pay them a lot of money to come tell you what you already know, but anyway. And then they work through and say, move this person, do that and do this, and you're like, wow, boom, we changed our whole dynamic. This was awesome. Can I encourage you with something? The greatest consultant on the planet is the Holy Spirit. He knows everything. He knows everything, he, knows, he, he created the whole world, he's the third person of the Trinity, he knows all truth, he knows every situation, he performs miracles, he can bring stuff out of nothing, he can open doors that no man can shut, so why don't we just invite him in? I think about one of our business leaders here, a female executive, who started realizing, wait a minute, I'm gonna bring the Holy Spirit into our boardroom. She was watching a television show, a random television show and saw in that some people talking about this thing and it became a business opportunity that her, and don't get caught up in the numbers, but just her company, which is a large company that she has a segment of, she acquired this piece by watching one of these like just TV shows, like reality shows, where the Holy Spirit gave her the idea bought it for 22 million. She told me, as I spoke with her even last night, she said, we were there at a a, a gathering of some people and she said, "It, it may be billions of dollars of our upside in profit over the next few years. And she says, it all started when I started bringing the Holy Spirit into what I do. And I can tell you that story over and over and over and over, where if you bring the Holy Spirit into the situation, It's amazing the miracles that he can work. Number two, work teaches you things you can't find anywhere else. Teaches you about a job well done. Teaches you about sometimes doing what you don't wanna do. Teaches you how to do the hard things. Teaches you how to do follow through. Teaches you how to submit to authority. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. I have bosses, had bosses, that's all a good thing. I know we live in a world today where it's kinda cool to complain about your boss. And again, I told some of you that are bosses, you need to understand that you're stewarding people, but on the other hand, complaining about an environment that you receive a paycheck all the time is a lack of integrity. Because that'll erode your soul if you're receiving from something that you don't believe in. So, but many times also, let me encourage you, like, why'd God put me under a bad boss? Sometimes you need to be under bad leadership to recognize good. Can I have an Amen. I'm going to tell you, you then go, man, sometimes you learn, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You know, everybody's like, well, if I was in charge, okay, you may be in charge one day, right? And so you learn some of those things. You learn about submission to authority. And, and again, I find sometimes that people are like, man, I just have had five bad bosses. And I've had seven bad bosses. And I've moved from this, this, and this. At some point, you have to investigate, wait a minute, is it the boss's problem? Or do I have an authority problem? Do I have an EQ problem? Do I have a get along and play well with others problem? Do I need to learn how? Work teaches you that. They're not always gonna use your idea. Ah. My dad's statement was, get glad in the same pants you got mad in. Come on, we need a better attitude. I know I'm meddling today. Here's a good one, it teaches you how to not be lazy. Proverbs 13, four says, lazy people want much, but they get little, but those who work hard will prosper. You say, I wanna get promoted, be a harder worker. I will tell you this, you say, I wanna be in a place where I'm valued. I will tell you this, if you become the harder worker, and I'm not talking about worshiping work and becoming a workaholic, but you work hard, you have a good attitude, you have a good spirit, you're life-giving. I'm gonna tell you, you become the person they go, you know what, we may have to shut the doors if that person walks away from what we're doing. You be the last person they lay off. Here's number three, work is your witness. Work is your witness. You know, if you thought about it this way, you guys have more opportunity to preach than I do, because you're around lost people. You remember Jesus, seek and save that which is lost. So if you were to start thinking about this, wait a minute, my cubicle, wherever I'm at, my register my interaction with other people, the table that I wait, the project that I'm involved with, the boardroom that I'm in is my pulpit. And you may be the only Jesus those people see. So I'm not talking about come in, you know, with a fish tattooed on your arm saying, bless the Lord. But I am saying when you walk in there and you treat people with integrity, when you have integrity, You do what you say. I was doing a Skype call with a church the other day. we were talking about their leadership environment. And I was talking about serving people and taking care of people and valuing people. People can tell when they show up in an environment where the people are very concerned about helping them and meeting their needs. And so there was a guy in the crowd. He goes, look, I'm not in ministry, I'm in business. What would you tell me? I said, the same thing. Do what you say. He said, what would you do if you're my spouse? I "I would do what I say. I would treat my employees as I would wanna be treated. I would have integrity, character. I would see the resources that we make as God's resources. I just started walking through all these biblical principles. And and, and he said, well, what's that gonna result in? I was like, market share. That's what you're gonna get. Because people are gonna show up to get what you have if you operate in that fashion. Work is your witness. Number four, work produces resources for the kingdom. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you're like, okay, Jesus said he wants to see the kingdom seek and save that which is lost. Every person who works in the marketplace is the one producing the resources that advance the gospel. Obviously, Jesus, God supplies it, it all comes from him, he's the owner. But if you were to start thinking about, wait a minute, today, I'm gonna get to handle these precious resources that God uses to advance his kingdom. I, I, I realize if you start just using Bible principles, you're gonna start seeing God's hand in what you do. I'm not saying that you won't ever have a downturn and everything's up and to the right, but you're gonna see God start showing up. And, and you know what you wanna do if you're in the marketplace? Make a profit. You're like, okay, pastor, duh, right? We, we'd rather have a profit than a loss. But I just wanna elevate your thinking for a minute. Just making a profit is a low vision. What about, just, just think about it for a minute. I just, just wanna challenge some of us just to think for a minute. What if you said, okay, our goals for this year are not just to make a profit, not just to get another lake house, not just to get a better salary, not just to make more money, but we see God's hand of favor and blessing on what we do as a conduit from God to advance his kingdom. What if you start seeing it that way? Now you start getting energized for what you do. Wait a minute, I'm partnering with God. He supplies seed to the sower. Did you know the Bible says how blessed is those who carry with their feet, they they carry the gospel, they preach the good news, but how will they go unless they are sent? So, so, So we're all in the ministry and advancing the kingdom and you get a chance every single day to partner with God. What if you just were to say, God, I wanna partner with you. Again, we've already taken up the offering. This isn't even really a money message. This is about a vision message, a vision for how God wants to make you a, a, a river of his resources to partner with because kingdom resources are important for the advancement of the kingdom and God uses people every day who work in that realm. And I'm, I'm gonna meddle again for a minute. Y'all okay with it? Don't put a fish on your business or tell your employees you're a Christian business if there's no resources going to the kingdom. That's just a marketing strategy. If you say, well, I'm a kingdom business, there should be kingdom resources advancing the kingdom. I heard about a guy this week, God gave him a genius idea that revolutionizes industry. He supports 800 full-time missionaries through the genius idea from God. Now, I don't know if you're like, wait a minute, is this? No, 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 no. I don't know if God would have gave him the idea if he didn't have that vision. All I know is he did have the vision. God gave him the idea and the resources are being used for the kingdom of God. Here's number five, work is not God. It's not God, okay? Here's what we want from work, right? We want financial provision. Everybody wants a raise, come on. We wanna make more money. And God uses work to bring you your paycheck but you become dangerous to the kingdom of darkness when you see that your work is not your source, that God is your source. So we want financial provision, we want passion, we wanna get excited. Why are so many people upset? Well, I wanna be passionate. By the way, there's a big narrative out there, I know a lot of you are concerned, and it's like, man, the younger generation, you know, they don't have, they, they don't want, well, one of the problems with this whole narrative about we've got, you know, people playing video games in their parents' basement is because since they were little, we've told them, you are special. When my dad rolled down the window, he said, you're so special, rake them specially good. (laughs) So what happens is you can do anything. No, you can't. In this story, everybody couldn't do anything. They could only be faithful with what they had been given. So we've given this narrative out there that we can't carry, and so we have a whole generation that says, I'm not going to work unless the job fits perfectly. I mean, if you know work, when you worship God, you work, you sometimes you just got to get started, kind of have an amen. You just got to get going. You just got to get going. Passion, significance, we all want to do something that matters. And here's a big challenge. We, we have a lot of identity in what we do, right? And it's, it, we all do. We all have to work through it. God has ways of helping us through it. Here's here's the power though. This This is when we can really bring God into our work, is when we realize none of these things can provide that. Ultimately, your work will let you down if you're looking to your work to do this. God's the one who does this in our lives. And if we wanna bring God into our work, then we have to understand that all of this comes from our God and then we're able to bring that into every situation because we receive it from God. Only God can meet our needs. Our careers make for a terrible God, but God Himself can be a resource to us that we were able to bring Him into every situation, okay? I wanna ask you to bow your heads with me and I wanna do something first. I'm gonna ask everybody just to stay because I have something that I want us to do at the end We're gonna take communion together as an act of worship to just help us with this whole idea of compartmentalization. But I'm gonna ask you if you would just pause for a minute, every head bowed and every eye closed. First thing is if if you wanna bring Jesus into any area of your life, well, Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. So wherever you're at with him is so important, not just for work life, any area of life, but you can just simply say, Jesus, Just you and Him. I need you. I need you in my life. I realize that I've messed up, I've made mistakes, I'm inadequate, but I thank you that you paid the price for me. See, Jesus made the full payment for you. He died on the cross, He rose from the dead. You tell Him, I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead. Come into my life, I wanna have a relationship with you. If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says he now becomes your Lord and Savior. And I'm gonna ask if you prayed that prayer, maybe to come forward at the end. Maybe you wanna come to 101 where I would love to meet you. Maybe fill out a card. Let us know so we can help you take some next steps. We have some resources for you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.